Okay, 17 is here. We're 17 again. Every single time we, we mention <laughs> what episode it is, I think it's not possible. It's not, but I enjoy it. it. It's really great. So welcome to all those neighbors out there for season four, episode 17. Ooh. Welcome to the podcast, Neighbors Don't Knock. The show where two neighbors drop by for conversations that are fun, relevant, and downright hilarious. Join them and special guests in their mission to talk about anything and everything and laugh about it no matter what. Now, here's your hosts, Brian Chambers and Philip Goffrey. Hello, hello, Philip. What's going on, man? Always good to be back with you. Not much, Brian. It's good to see you, buddy. I know. And also, for everyone out there, if you're listening, no matter where you're listening, what time you're listening, I, you know, it's great. It's great to have you guys here. Great to have the neighborhood back together again. We drop new episodes every Friday, so you are tuned into a great episode today. You just made me think of that Spin Doctor song. What time is it? 4.30. <laughs> it's 4.30 somewhere. I'm in a 90s mood today. We'll talk about that I know. You, you oh, Don't get that song stuck in my head again. Uh, but it's we, not late. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> but it's great to have you. Um, make sure you guys go and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast at. You can also check us out on the you uh, subscribe to the youtube channel as well remember we drop new episodes every friday but we have a neighbor in the house today we do we do we but do. before we get into introducing our latest guest i'd like to go ahead and have a little word from our sponsor neighbors don't knock is produced by cng communications cng specializes in small batch voiceover and video production for commercial media podcasting radio and more Combining years of experience in acting, podcasting, and sales, CNG offers big media products at small business prices. To learn more, visit our Facebook page or email us directly at admin at neighborsdontknock.com. So we got a new neighbor today, and he is really coming pretty far to be with us. Indeed, indeed. <laughs> all the way from the Northwest, I believe. That's right. He is coming all the way from Portland, Oregon. Ooh, 90s again. <laughs> yes. Oh, I know. The dream of the 90s is alive in Portland. Well, before, no, you, before uh, you get too much into that little rendition, we're going to get into our guest introduction here, and that way we can get him on here. He is the CEO and founder of Pod in Box. He is building consumer. He's been building consumer and business web apps for a very long time. He's a product designer and entrepreneur since right about 2005. Um, he is a professional product designer and loves the simple things in life, which I think I love about him. He's a really great guy. Uh, he's an avid consumer of podcasts Ooh, and like podcasters, so it's really great. Which uh, hence he started Pod and Box. You know, which we'll talk more about what Pod and Box is as we get into the episode. He's from Hong Kong originally, grew up in SoCal. So I'm from Valencia. So yeah, we got a little something in common there. Uh, went to college at Berkeley and lives today in Portland, Oregon with his dog, Indy, which by the way is an awesome name. But we want to get him on the show. We want to welcome Pat Chung to the show. What's going on, Pat? Hey. Good to be here. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah, man. man. Love your setup yeah. over there. Love the, the little you, uh, neon you. light going. Loving that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've been thank taking you. notes on his background, actually. I'm a little <laughs> bit jealous. <laughs> no, it looks it looks great, man. I hope you're doing well. How How is life for you? 
It's good. Um, yeah, like you said, I'm from the Pacific Northwest, and the weather is just changing here to spring. So, um, yeah, there's kind of a euphoria here. Well, okay, so for, for sure. we're down south, but for those of our listeners that are not in the Pacific Northwest, what does changing to spring mean? Is that a big deal? It's kind of like the East Coast when it says they're going to winter, you know, things get serious, or is that just the best time of year for you? Yeah, it is a, kind of a big deal because uh, I mean, just a little background. I'm from California, actually, where there's just one season. It's just kind of summer year round. So I moved up here about five years ago and uh, the seasons are still new to me and they're still exciting. <laughs> so every season um, is just something different, right? It kind of puts a cap on the year and, and it kind of puts a start on the year, too. So I kind of see winter as the cap and the summer it, or, or the spring is kind of like the 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 new year that's how i kind of see it and um so i think so, brian yeah, is picturing like people with pagan robes coming out from the hills <laughs> no, and not like, doing dances <laughs> <laughs> no, it's no, like it's rain season <laughs> you know? yeah yeah it's really like just the light from the rain is just amazing so um you you see all the retail shops with the doors up and all the restaurants with the doors up so it's just a different feel that's lovely no i actually really love that about when you have great weather in, in cities like that where you can have open kind of the open seating where restaurants you know i i, I love that personally so I, i'm a little jealous because we only get that here for about two months out of the year i think before it gets so hot that everyone <laughs> has to retreat inside to air exactly. conditioning <laughs> yeah so. No, it's funny you say that because when I first moved up here, I, you know, I was like taking kind of mental note of all the restaurants I like in California. That, and a lot of them have roll up doors, but they never roll them up because you need the air conditioning there, right? Right. Um, but here, you know, people, you know. I, I bet you don't have AC. Amount of, Do you have AC in your place? That's a good question. AC is like relatively new in, in kind of the newer developments out here. So I think it's like like 10 years ago, people wouldn't have AC. But, uh, you know, with global warming and all, it's getting warm up here. Yeah, we've had some record-breaking years. Oh, Lord. It's, something's happening. But, okay, so let's get into you a little bit. Uh, so you you mentioned earlier you were from California, but how did you end up in Portland then? Oh, man. It was, um, well, I was a startup founder of my last startup. Um, that startup was um, in um, in healthcare, actually. Uh, and, and we built some software that we sold into uh, healthcare facilities. And um, that's kind of irrelevant. But I, I when I started that startup, uh, I lived maybe, I don't know, 10 miles. No, less than 10 miles. I think it was like seven miles from the office. And it took an hour to drive there oh, every man. day uh, and then an hour to drive back. And this was in L.A. proper while, or where was this? Uh, so our uh, office was in Culver City. Oh, and I okay. lived in kind of near downtown, like in Koreatown. It was, it was, it was very close if you kind of look at the geography. Like Culver City is but like blowing takes, up right now, I think. I feel like it's yeah. really, really popular. I've yeah, some it's kind of becoming this kind of tech media hub a little bit yeah yeah the next silicon um, valley or something or the expansion of that or something like the, along those lines i could be making that up but that's just what i've heard yeah it's a great town it's like the neighborhood town of santa monica so beautiful beautiful uh kind of a neighborhood but it just took so long to drive and i just thought you know i can't do this drive every day anymore so um and we had kind of a remote type of culture so just decided um you know a ton of people always thought hey pat you're you're very 
Pacific Northwestern, <laughs> or whatever that meant. I have no idea what that meant. And um, so kind of grew my How curiosity. How much flannel do you own? <laughs> yeah, actually a lot. Oh, you, you do? Yeah, yeah. That's, that explains it. And kind of funny at that time too, I went through this thing called a yeard. I don't know if you heard of that, a yeard. It, it's you just grow your beard for a year. Just, um, oh, just okay. That yeah, you don't shave for a year, and, and there's like a term for that. It's called a yeard. Like, 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 like when you year. say don't shave, don't trim. You, you, or you. Yeah, you don't touch nothing, it for a just, year. So, oh wow, I didn't know I could do it. I'm Asian, so th- it's not a common thing. Uh, but I grew this huge beard. It was, it was like uh, I'd say it's fairly impressive. <laughs> <laughs> And, um, yeah, with the flannel and, you know, my, my style. Yeah. I think I was very Pacific Northwest at that time. (laughs) I wonder if your parent, do your parents notice who you were? (laughs) Did you like zoom or call with them, you know, and they just look at you like, who are you? Yeah. (laughs) I was a different, yeah. I wish I could show some pictures. I was a totally different person. My beard was, you know, literally probably down to here. Uh, You know, people thought I was in in some kind of beard club or whatever. Wow. So you're talking like a 10 inch off your chin hardcore maybe not 10 10 is like maybe two years uh, i'm like picturing okay. christmas ornaments and stuff being hung you know in the- <laughs> yeah 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 my yeah, my, my favorite joke when my parents were like oh, i guess you're not dating this year because yeah i don't know how good it looked it was long got a lot of compliments from other guys but uh yeah um, that's funny you're not dating this I like year that. i love that you know, it's funny, yeah. it's funny that you bring up that sort of like Pacific Northwestern feel. When I found out that you're going to be calling in from Portland, I had Brian uh, watch the the first episode of Portlandia with that whole The Dream of the 90s song because mm-hmm. he hadn't seen it. And I was like, that that's how I picture Portland, actually. It's, <laughs> it's just like that. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you've seen it. I had never seen it. But it was, uh, yeah. It was special. It was I will special. say that. Philip was like glowing over here <laughs> as he's singing the song. <laughs> I almost wish I had hit record and just caught all of that. <laughs> That's awesome. But so, so you, so you, so you were convinced that you were uh, meant to be up there. You said you moved up there about five years ago. Yeah, about five years ago, and yeah, back then it did feel a little bit more like the show Portlandia. Now, now it's kind of changed a lot. It's a, yeah, the city has totally evolved. Uh. Or maybe some would say devolved a little bit too. Um, yeah, moved here five years ago and kind of never looked back. I love it. I call it home now. I bought a house here and it's great. That's awesome. So, okay, so your dog, you brought the dog with you or got the dog after you moved? Yeah, I got got the dog uh, after uh, before I moved. Before you moved. And so I had the dog for about a year in LA. And, and, and the dog's name is Indeed. Did you, did you take that straight from... You know, the Harrison Indiana Ford Joe movie. Harrison Ford. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just, actually, Indiana. Yep. All right, yeah, cool. We call the dog Indy. <laughs> the dog's name was yep. Indy. Yeah, That's I love right. it. Yeah, yeah. Dude, this is your audience. I wonder if they all know that reference. <laughs> I, you know, it's so funny. Uh, now I'm going to bring this up because we had, I didn't think I was ever going to have to use, I reconnected with an old friend and there was a drinking game for the Indiana Jones. And he, he found it, he was cleaning out his computer, you know, this is years and years ago. And it was just hilarious that he goes, dude, I, I found, I found this, this all, we, we made it very official. We put it like typed it out on something and it was titled Dr. Jones and it's called Dr. Jones game official rules. And when we were in college, we would watch Indiana Jones, we pop in the DVDs and then we would do, we would drink. And this is the this is the rule of the game. This is all it is. Are you ready for this? 
Anytime a character says any of the following words, you take a shot of beer. Dr. Jones, Jones, Indiana, Indy, Indiana Jones, archaeologist, junior. That was oh, it. God. That's it. That's the whole game. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a classic college college kid. game. All right, <laughs> I was just like, but I, I was expecting it to have like some. When he was like, "Oh, I found the rules," like more intricate. Like, no, we weren't very, very clever at all. <laughs> we were very lazy. But yeah, so that was our that was our. Yeah, you're our hammered fun. before he even makes his way into the first tomb. You know? I know, right? Just, you know, amazing. <laughs> so okay, so so you move up to Portland. Poddenbox, was that born before the move or after you moved up there? Oh, definitely after. So when I moved, I was still in the thick of uh, running, uh, being a co-founder of the other company. The other company is called Silversheet, the healthcare-related software startup. Um, so yeah, actually then, um, luckily another coworker was ready for a move too. I think he wanted to start a family. Um and it was just, it kind of wanted to buy a house. So it was, it was so expensive down there. So real estate was a lot cheaper up here. So he also made the move at the pretty much the exact same time. So we started a little office up here, um, kind of built the office up here and uh, ran the company um, remotely. Um, so the headquarters was still in Culver City, Santa Monica. And uh, we kind of started a branch up here. So. Uh, ran that for three years, then pot and box. So actually it's a long story. Happy to go into it, but we, uh, sold that company. It got acquired by a pretty big company. Um, and it was good, good outcome. And, and then when I was trying to think of what to do next, I wanted to start another startup and that was in the podcast space. Gotcha. That's yeah, awesome. Congratulations on the sale there, of the first company. Yeah, ab- Thank absolutely. You. Thank you. But just kind of on that note, you said you wanted to start in the podcast realm what was it that made you want to jump into the podcast room? I mean, you, I mean, obviously you're an avid listener of podcast and involvement, you know, as a consumer, but what was the launching point or that, that kind of shining moment that you're like, this is where I want to go. That's a good question. Actually, it wasn't such a clear path. So after the acquisition, uh, I tried something else. I, uh, I, I'm kind of a tinkerer. So I tinkered with another business idea, and that was another software in the real estate space. I, I also love real estate. And I thought, you know, I just kind of, one of these guys who kind of just follow my passion a little bit. So did that, worked on that product for about a year until I realized, oh, I really don't love talking to real estate agents because that's who I was selling into. Um, so it was, so podcasting was something I really had to kind of reverse engineer like, what, what, who am I going to like talking to for the next five, six, seven years of my life? Right. Cause that's, that's going to be the reality of my life. And I'm kind of like one of these like lifestyle entrepreneur guys. So I, w- I want, I want my, um, you know, uh, I guess my passion to be in line with whatever I do for work. So, um, when I thought about it hard, I thought, you know, well, I'm not a podcaster yet, but I, I have been listening to podcasts ever since they kind of existed. I just love the medium and every podcaster I've ever talked to, I, I enjoy talking to them. You know, they're just super interesting people. So that's kind of where the idea germinated. Let's, let's try to look for something in the podcast space. I love that. And, and do you currently host your own podcast on top of having the business? Uh, to my shame, no. I'm going through like a course right now. <laughs> it's not so much a course because obviously I know a lot about it, um, but it's like an accountability uh, cohort. 
Uh, well, there's no, there's no know, shame in that. There's, there's absolutely no shame because you're, you're still, I mean, anyone who's still listening or involved in some way, you obviously are interested in doing what you want to do. So, I mean, there's never a late time I feel like to get into the game. Oh, I agree. I mean, I think that when the pandemic was, was really, uh, in the heart of the, of the worldwide lockdowns and we saw this explosion in home podcasts, uh, all, all throughout the world, I, 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 my biggest fear when we did that as well was, okay, if we're, if we're going to do this, how do we ensure that we always have value for our listeners? Because if we're just rambling in a microphone, what's the point? Exactly. I think, I think that we're seeing that wave finally cresting, right? I think a lot of podcasts are dropping out of the, of the space and mm-hmm. I think people are, are taking it pretty seriously. Um, well, and, and staying, to, so. and to your point and also Pat, kind of, since we were both at, at the, uh, the movement and you went to evolutions, you, you got probably a, even more information. It's a wealth of knowledge, but they, one thing that I, the biggest thing that I took away, uh, when being in front of m- so many creatives was they, they throw that number out, you know, the 2.9 million or 3 million podcast, right? They, they throw that number out at you and you look at, you're like, why would I want to get into that kind of competition. But it becomes the fact if you, like you were talking about, if you know where you want to be and what you're going to do, that number is significantly smaller. And like you said, there's a lot of people that also don't continue with it because they're more hobbyists and they, they realize like, oh, this is so much work. It's not for me. I, I don't know, Pat, if you have a similar experience or a thought on that. Yeah. I mean, going to these conferences it is you know, I kind of do see a change. Like, um, even in the little time I've been in the, in the spaces, like an industry person, um, I do see, you know, more money getting poured into it. And when there's more money, people just tend to take it a little bit more seriously, or maybe think about it in a little bit different way. They think, Oh, how do I monetize it now? How do I grow with my audience? Whereas probably years past, it was, you know, like a hobby for like probably many of those 2.9 million podcasts. But now that there's so much more buzz around, how do you make it serious? Um, yeah. To Philip's point, like, yeah, may, maybe some hobbyists are kind of getting pushed out because maybe they don't see themselves in, in that space anymore. But, um, you know, then again, you know, as soon as I say that, you know, in this last podcast uh, conference, I met this whole other group group of podcasters that I never even knew existed. And, you know, they were probably the favorite, my favorite part of the conference. They were, you know, I don't know if purist is the right word, but they really just did it for the pure joy of podcasting. And those are the audio fiction people. And, um, you know, monetization was not a high, uh, you know, uh, thought in their mind. Uh, they just do it because they purely love the form uh, of podcasting that, you know, that's where they could, um, you know, I guess that's their main channel of dispersing their creativity. So yeah, there, there, it's all sorts. It's hard to say where it's going to go, but to your point, I think, uh, people are taking, becoming a little bit more intentional about what they're doing. So if that's pushing some people out, I think that'll happen, but I think it's going to grow too. Cause on the flip side, then you see all these other companies getting into it, right? Like, like every company, I'm sure like, just like the blogging space, it probably started out with the people passionate about it. Then every company now has to have a blog, right? And there's millions of the, the those small, small to medium sized companies. So, Oh yeah. I mean, um, what is it? Yeah. Twitter? 
with the dumpster fire where everybody goes to make official statements now. <laughs> like you, I mean, I remember when it was starting up and it was just like, oh, you mean you just put what you're, you put like 10 words or what? Now it's it's like all official statements sometimes will come off of Twitter yeah, the, or, the, or the Instagram, first, you know? I in mean, the first few months of Twitter, it was burger and fries. What? And it's like, <laughs> okay, you know, and now it's, it's definitely changing. But I, I like the way you phrase that with, with the intent and the intentionality that some people are approaching this with. And, you know, you're certainly dead on with companies getting involved. I mean, look at Apple's gigantic push into the space just in the past year, right? Everyone, I think, is recognizing, okay, your hobbyists, they're always going to have a space. It's not like it's going to need to push them out. But there's also, I think, a lot more people raising an eyebrow going, oh, wait a minute, that can be a business. That can be something more than just rambling into a microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that also brings us, you You mentioned monetization, right? And let's let's talk a little bit about Pod and Box since you, since you kind of went that way. Um, tell us what is Pod and Box for our listeners that don't don't really understand what it is. Sure. Um, the simplest way I kind of describe it is uh, it's a fan engagement platform. It helps podcasters engage with their fans in sort of a more direct one to one way. So a little bit different from social. And um, the two mechanisms we have to engage right now is to let um, uh, podcasters receive audio messages from their fans. Um, you know, like you said, a lot of podcasters, they kind of just speak into the void and a lot of them aren't listening back to their audience. So we just want to give some channel for them, you know, for the fans to kind of reach back out and kind of for you, for the podcaster to hear their voice. And, um, you know, we see like a lot of advanced podcasters doing that because then they, you know, give shout outs to their fans and then kind of create that fan loyalty. So we started out with that product. And then we thought, um, you know, our main sort of motto is just like, well, we want to be a fan engagement platform. You know, what other features, you know, do we put under the umbrella of engagement? And uh, uh, we uh, about, I guess it's been about two or three months now, we, we, we released a fan donation type or fan support uh, type of feature where fans could just, you know, very easily give some support to support their favorite podcaster. Interesting. So so the pod inbox um the fundamental principle was was just as the as the name suggests, right? It was just a messaging platform where podcasters could receive messages from their fans. But now with the, I guess, support donation sort of aspect of it, um, do you find that, I don't figure out the best way to phrase this, do, do you find that that puts you more in line with kind of competing with the likes of Fireside and companies or, like or that? Pa- or, or Patreon? Like, what kind of really makes you different from something like Patreon, aside from, I guess, the audio messages? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's funny you say that because our first, uh, when we were just an audio messaging app, you know, a lot, a lot of these uh, companies like mine, they have like... Um, you know, competitor versus us. Right? So in, in the beginning, it was like, there's a, a older product named SpeakPipe. Uh, um, they're probably a decent product, but they just haven't been worked on for, it seems like they, no one's worked on it for years. So I thought, oh, here's an opportunity to kind of improve it, update it, and, you know, uh, make it a little bit cheaper. And that's, that's how we're probably better than them. Uh, and now, yeah, the other two competitors are uh, Patreon and another one called Buy Me a Coffee. Uh, those are kind of both fan donation type things. Uh, how we're different from Patreon is, um, from both of them really, is they're both generalized tools. And I really wanted to create a tool just for podcasters. Because uh, I kind of believe like 
we probably have our own unique needs. Um, that it's just a little bit different than a generalized tool. So for instance, uh, Patreon mainly just does monthly donations. Um, if, even if you look at it, it's like, how, how, you know, there's some FAQs. It's like, how does a fan just submit like a $10 donation? They don't want to pay monthly because a lot of podcasters, they don't maybe have enough of a value to justify like a monthly donation, right? They don't have, they're not like Netflix, right? They don't have uh, yeah, the content know, is not coming spend. out <laughs> leaps and bounds, exactly. <laughs> right? Right at that kind uh, like Oscar level reward, you, you know, quality and things like that. So, uh, what we found talking to a lot of podcasters is they don't they get intimidated by Patreon. It's like very easy to create an account, but um, you know, the moment they do it, they're like, oh, now I have to create all this premium content to justify like a monthly cost for my fans. So, uh, so a lot of fans, you know, so going back to the FAQ at Patreon, they're like, yeah, if, uh, if a fan just wants to submit a one time donation, I think they say this is their fact uh, FAQ. They're like, just get them to submit, uh, sign up for the monthly and then just get them to cancel their monthly plan. <laughs> that's Like that's their way of that. It's like know, every free subscription. Flat. It's just like, Hey, sign up for one week. Right. And then you forget about it. <laughs> and then you're just like, right. wait, you're seeing charges like next month. You're like, what is this for? <laughs> yeah. I find it right. interesting that you bring up the Netflix comparison because I think that's a really wise, uh, way to look at that pitfall that Patreon has. I think we're, as a culture experience, a lot of burnout with these monthly, you know, subscriptions and burdens that we place on ourselves when, when everyone was cutting the cord and, Oh, it's so much cheaper than cable. You know, everyone I know spends way more now than they ever spent on cable because they're subscribed to so many different video streaming services. So I think that the model that you're talking about where you can do the, the one, the $2, the $6, the one time, whatever it is donation, rather than that feeling of, of getting, you know, tied down to yet another thing you're supporting is really important. There's a lot of value in that. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I like how you said value because, you know, one of our first slogan was like, give value, get value. I, I heard a, a lot of sort of prolific podcasters talk about that. And um, so one, one of the things we kind of sort of blend into our experience is gamification, right? Like when we look across the other platforms like Patreon and Buy Me A Coffee, they're they're very transactional. It's just like, what am I going there to purchase? Like you're going to Patreon to purchase a monthly thing or maybe like a t-shirt or something. Um, so we thought, well, giving, that's not giving value, getting value. That, so, so when we kind of wire in some gamification, we're like, some of the fans want to be recognized too, right? So we have a leaderboard, you know, someone could be your top fan, you know, as much as they donate. Um, you know, we thought that's kind of a simple way to kind of give some, give something back to the fan, right? A lot of people want to be their, you know, someone's top fan and, and even letting other fans see other fans profiles, right? Something as simple as that. These other platforms don't really, um, have that, or they don't really kind of, uh, bubble it up. So we have it kind of front and center where, Hey, these are the fans that are supporting you. Give them some love too. So. I like that. I was looking at your demo page on your website at uh, podandbox.net and which we, we have an account. Indeed, indeed. We, we do. We have, um, we have a free account right awesome. now because we're still playing around that's with it. That's also true. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. But but I see the the our super fan section. Is that what you're talking about? Where the leaderboard would be in in the demo? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, in the demo, and then when you click, uh, you know, one of the buttons like join or something. I think we're going to change the name of that button, but then you can see the leaderboard on uh, you know pop up on the right, and then um, 
Yeah, yeah. And we're building a lot more features around that functionality. Uh, and even things like we have, like right now we have message tips. So if someone leaves a message and leaves a tip on there, uh, then it becomes like the creators, you know, how creative they could get um, using some of these mechanisms together. So like, let's say, you know, a lot, a lot of our, um, a lot of our podcasts have like fan Q and a, so, and they encourage your fans to like, Hey, just give a couple bucks if you leave a message and we'll kind of, you know, share it on the show. So, it's just a way to activate fans because, um, uh, you know, one of the things we teach a lot is like for podcasting, you know, whether fortunate or unfortunate, a lot of people are just kind of passive listeners like me. I've, I've been a passive listener for years. Right? I have like dozens of podcasts that are in my podcast player. And like, have I ever done anything, you know, active you know, I, I would say, no, I haven't. So, you know, a lot, a lot of things we teach is like, you know, get them to get, get a fan to do something. And then, cause once they do something, they're something clicks in their brain where, where they not only are interacting with you, but they're just more prone to like share your show w with, with other, with their neighbors and with their friends and things like that. Right. Uh, while, you know, when fans who are passive, they're just listening they may never share your show. So uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff we teach is around audience en engagement and how, how that grows audiences. And I, I love that though. And, and, and you're, it's so true. It's absolutely so true. Anytime it, with anything, not even just podcasts with whatever you're doing, the fact that if some, you get someone that wants to engage with you, you're, you're, they're now invested. Okay. So for podcasters that are out there or listeners that are out there that want to engage with their podcast or things, you know, they can go and sign up at podinbox.com and there's a, there's a free version out there um, and where you have one show, but you can also do a pro version or the business version um, on there, which I, I, I did notice. So and with someone wanting to get involved, let's say a podcaster like us that we want to use that, how do we get that out to our listeners? Or do you guys help with those engagements or is this just a matter of us having to try to pump that out to whoever's listening on our, our social media pages and things like that? Yeah, that's a great question. Cause um, that's probably the one thing we're trying to solve for is like, how do we get our podcasters like successful? And when we, we define success as like, if you're getting, um, and it depends how big your podcast is too, right? Uh, like a lot of people don't know, most podcasters have, you know, an audience of a hundred listeners. So um, we think, you know, once you're at that stage where you have about 100 listeners, then you could start getting a couple of them to engage, um, you know, just based off of law of internet <laughs> engagement. Uh, you know, not a lot of people are engaged. Most people are passive. I think there's, there's a rule that says like maybe about 5 to 10% of the people are actually active, right? Most people consume. They don't really participate. So we think when you have about a hundred listeners, then, you know, maybe you'll get about one or two messages a week, which is amazing. I think like, I think people look for large numbers and we, we you know, we more think of it as like, um, you know, these are going to be your evangelists. These are the people who are going to share, are so excited about your podcast. They're going to share, um, you know, your podcast with not just one or two of their friends, but maybe their, their whole circle of friends. So um, um, it's a long answer to your question, but, uh, you know, it does take some effort to get your fans to engage for any podcasters listening. And from what we've seen, um, we think kind of like we always recommend to talk about it in your episodes because that's where people are going to 
um, here, first of all, they're all your fans, so they're listening. They, they might be, they might not be paying attention to your Twitter, Instagram, but if they hear it on your show, it's like, you know, next week we're going to talk about, I don't know, some neighborhoodly topic, right? <laughs> that might be interesting, you know, hearing people's stories or questions um, and kind of, I guess, luring them into like, um, maybe being able to make like a little, even a little audio cameo on your show, that would really excite a couple people, you know, maybe 5% of your audience. I, I love that actually. Um, can you, I can't even imagine like my younger, when I was younger and how all my younger friends, what they would have done had they had this ability. If I was doing a show and they could like call in or, you know, send me messages, I'd have the most ridiculous voicemails ever that were like left or audio messages that were ever left. Um, but also, okay. So that, that kind of answered that, but let me ask you this. Do they have to sign up to engage with, with the platform with you? Is it something that they have to sign up for or is it they're like, just because we're signed up and they can just like a link that just automatically clicks? Yeah. That's a good question. We kind of battled, uh, you know, uh, amongst ourselves around, you know, should we allow anonymous messages and stuff? At the end, we are just kind of following the pattern of like, let's say any other social platform like Twitter or Instagram, like to engage, you have to sign up because it just helps cut spam and kind of unwanted um, characters on the internet. So yeah, they have to sign up and um, the podcasters owns that relationship, right? We, we give them all, all the um, information about, you know, their fans. Um, so yeah, long answer to your question. They do have to sign up, but we make it super easy to sign up. Like you could even do a recording, uh, without pressing submit, you know, before signing up. And then, um, you know, it just kind of lets you see what, what the tool does even as a fan. And, um, and yeah, we only ask for email and password. Oh, so I like that. It's a little, little, little tease. Easy. Like, all right, you know, say, hey, test, test the water a little bit there. Well, you know, I will give you a compliment on that as well, because we've spoken to quite a few different services uh, since the beginning of Neighbors Don't Knock that try to monetize shows. And one of the things that always frustrates me about, well, two things frustrate me. One, the fees that most of these services charge are egregious. And, and two, most of them refuse to give the podcaster their data. And mm -hmm. that drives me crazy. As, as a creative, why on earth would I ever agree to not be able to see my own metrics and my own demographics of my show? It, it's almost offensive. So the fact that you allow the podcaster to have that information is, is very powerful, and I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely one reason why I hate using the analogy of a social network with our tool. Uh, we do see it as a direct engagement tool for the podcasters. So yeah, if it's a direct engagement tool, yeah, from day one, we're like, we got to give you the data because they're engaging with you and not us. Like, and for that matter, just to answer your question before, it's like, it does take work. Like we don't help you grow your audience. It's just like, you know, you, you see a lot of people, they, they start a Twitter account. They're like, why am I not getting any followers? I hit like, well, sign up. Why does no one yeah. want to follow me? <laughs> exactly. So it takes work just like a social media platform, but unlike a social media platform, it's really your own where, yeah, we, we let you connect directly with the, with your, with your listeners. I, I, I like that. I like that a lot. So, I mean, for our listeners out there, whether you're a podcaster or you're a podcast listener or someone that is looking to get into podcasting, you can check out pod in box. 
at potinbox.com. And there is a, uh, the sign up, but there's also a demo. It has all the information that you're going to want. Uh, it even mentions that, the, Pat, you even, uh, I, thought, I thought I saw you even offer a little Q&A to some of your potential uh, people that are signing up. Is that, is that true or is that myth? Um, <laughs> he's like, Q&A. I don't have time. <laughs> <laughs> I do. That's our demo page. So I, I, we just use it as a demo. So that there's like a, probably a lot of junk in there. Um, <laughs> most of the junk being created by me. Cause I do a lot of demos. I talk to a lot of podcasters and, um, I just use that page. Um, and by the way, you, you know, you asked earlier if I'm going to start a podcast. That's, that's the podcast I'm trying to start. Um, hopefully it'll be launching. Oh, soon. But, so yeah. you don't have you don't have a name or anything for us to to drop, huh? Um, I do, but th- when when you go there, you'll only see a trailer. <laughs> ah, ah. Yeah, I'll tell, funny, I'll tell, yeah. We'll we'll we'll. I'll tell you before we leave today, we'll let you drop that at the end of the episode. <laughs> So all those okay. listening, you're going to want to hang around to the end. The big reveal. The big reveal. The big reveal. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Okay. So you are an entrepreneur in all aspects of it, and, and that's awesome. What do you, besides having indie, you know, you mentioned, obviously, the beard kept you from from dating. Are, are you are you dating now? <laughs> since since I, I don't see a very long beard for our for our listeners that I'm looking that we're looking at you. I mean, not officially. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not <laughs> officially single. <laughs> I love that roundabout way. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. So what do you what do you find yourself doing in your spare time in Portland? What, what is a, I, I've never oh, been to Portland. Um, I'm kind of like a motorcycle guy a little bit. Um, uh, but recently, uh, well, not recently, I guess it's been two years now. Um, so I, I was into motorcycles for a long time. My main motorcycle broke down and, um, it was just too hard to fix. I have like one of these vintage bikes and I was like, you know, I need to get back on a bike and I didn't want to, wasn't sure if I was going to buy a new one. So I bought a, a scooter. So I became like a, like one of the like the stand nerd. up like motorized <laughs> the, the motorized no, I one a Vespa oh, the, you oh you bought a Vespa okay okay yeah, and I love it I almost love it like maybe how, more than motorcycles how did, how do how do they drive because I I can't I would never do a motorcycle but I joke with my wife and my older brother that I would do a Vespa <laughs> because they don't yeah. take that much gas <laughs> and it's just like you could but my brother just laughs at me he's like dude you would. He just looks at me like you would. Yeah. So that's the perception I'm trying to change. They're just so cool. Once you get into it, um, yeah, they're a little geeky, I'll I'll admit, but uh, they're just so fun. And uh, that has kind of opened up this other world of Portland to me because, you know, um, you know, motorcyclists, I don't know if, do do any of you, it sounds like neither of you ride or anything. No, No, I've ridden, but don't ride. No, don't ride. No. Okay. They, you know, they have this derogatory term for uh, people who drive cars. They're called cagers. <laughs> I did not um, know this. Yeah, we're so we're like cagers. Kind of this whole, uh, yeah. So we see people who drive cars are people who are just in cages. And, and I think we say that because when you're on, um, you know, a motorized vehicle, you know, motorized bike, you just see different parts of the city that you just don't see when you're entrapped in, in, in you know, all, all around you. Um, so that's kind of brought, you know, this new beauty of Portland that, that I've never seen before. It takes me to the back roads, to 
you know, the, the hills where, where there's like beautiful houses. Whereas before I would never really have any reason to go there. Yeah. Well, yeah I can appreciate nice. that. I, I appreciate that. A, a ha- the hardest part where we live in Houston is you, it's very difficult to ride a motorcycle or anything like that because the roads are so bad and it's just so crowded and, and congested. You know, it's, it's like trying to ride a Vespa in, in LA. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have a combination I'm, of, 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 Bad roads and bad disrepair and and very serious traffic. Yeah, it, it's yeah. Very dangerous well, and to ride. Constru- and construction all the time everywhere, right? So uh, we're a bunch of cagers yeah, down yeah. here. Apparently, <laughs> okay. That's stuck in my head now. Now I'm gonna I'm be driving around, and be like, look at us cagers <laughs> on the road here. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna use that too. When I was I grew up in New England, and when I was growing up, we had a term for all the all the wealthy Wall Streeters that had Harleys for the weekends. We called them Rolex riders. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. yeah, they're all like I could see that. They're all wearing bandanas and like the sleeveless leather shirts. And like, you seriously, guys, like you work for Goldman Sachs. Yeah. Like, what are you, <laughs> yeah. what are you yeah. doing? It's like that movie Wild Hogs. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. That's yeah. a great movie, by the way. It is <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah. I'm All so I, that makes that makes me geek out that you love that movie. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. It, it's it's yeah. it's funny though that that uh, that you went the Vespa route because this, the second that you told us that, my immediate thought was, man, your friends and family have very insightful that you were born for the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, they we were was, right. They're yeah, like our yeah. instincts were that's dead on. Dead on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's cool. I think it's very cool. They're really fun to ride. They're very easy to ride. They just sell pounds yeah. basically because they're all low weight and it's yeah, like, yeah. It's I know. like being on a kid's scooter. It's, it's a blast. I know. I know. I yeah. one one day. Highly recommend it. One day. It's one day. Because a lot of times I don't recommend a motorcycle because like I don't want to be the person. You know, I mean, it is dangerous, you know, probably a lot of death around it. But I do feel like Vespa is like approachable enough where, um, you know, I'm sure there's danger, too, because like my Vespa could go up to 65, 75 miles an hour. But it just by the nature of it being a scooter, you're just a little bit more careful it is a lot easier to ride. You know, there's no. um, Well, and you're not going to want to go on freeways. So, I mean. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't sure. know. Do you? I would never want to go on a freeway with a Vespa. Like mine can because it's like a you know. There's different levels of scooters, and mine legally can. But yeah, I just have a like a, a little bit of a. I have a survival instinct, <laughs> not doing it. Yeah, yeah. Right. Because, yeah I'm gonna call yeah, that strong survival tires. instinct. Yeah, yeah. Do, what do you I, call? I what do you call a group of, of of Vespa riders? Do you is there is there a name for that? Hmm, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I just I'm, yeah. I'm I'm trying to think of the opposite of what cagers would say about Vespa riders. They're Vespians. The Vespians. <laughs> Vespians. I love that. I think so. Let's coin it. Vespians. You, get Vespians you guys already here on Neighbors Don't Knock. Vespians. There you go. And you can donate one dollar on Poddenbox anytime that you hear use or the to term. Throw a sh- that's right. Or a shout out. Right. So is your Vespa vintage? Actually, or it is, is interesting. It- just to give it. Just to give a little bit of a history, uh, I, I won't go too long, but, um, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting that Scooter Riders has like a little bit of a geeky connotation because when it first started, have you ever heard of this term mods versus rockers? No, I have not. So, I, like you, Phillips, you're contemplating, have you? I live under a rock. Are you kidding? Oh, <laughs> I mean, we're being educated was... all over the place today. That's what you get with Sorry. you got. You got a bunch of cagers, man. It just <laughs> <laughs> you didn't ask me what, what I geek out on in my hobby. And, um, 
so in motorcycle history, there's this, I think it was the forties, um, in, uh, in England, in, in UK, there's this group called the rockers. They were sort of like the, um, hardcore motorcyclists. They, they, they kind of built their own bikes. They kind of, um, uh, you know, I guess modified and, and they, they dressed like how you would kind of think a, a motorcycle would dress like leather and everything. And the mods, um, mods coming from, uh, a word from high fashion. Uh, these were kind of like more fashionable young people. Uh, they had that less of the greasy sort of, sort of area about them. They were kind of more preppy and young and they, they were the scooter riders. So the mods versus the rockers, they had like this big sort of contention uh, between the two gangs. And, um, it, 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 it triggered that thought yeah, maybe a group of Vespa riders would be called mods. <laughs> okay. Because they were, they I mean, were the dapper. West go. Side Story remake right there. <laughs> I, I, the mods know. versus the rockers. <laughs> it's, 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 a whole, it's a whole lot better than hipsters on wheels, you know. It's, uh... <laughs> yeah, well, maybe today it would be hipsters, yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, well, one day, man, one day, and then maybe I'll, I'll just uh, bring go up to Portland with you. I, I got I have plenty of flannel as well. Um <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so I guess I'd fit right in. Like, I think that's way cool. I think it's way cool if you're into it. Um, I, I'm very geeky myself, and I love to, to. Oh yeah, yeah, we are absolutely not cool people. We're total nerds. I didn't say that. I just said geeky. Thank you very much. Oh, sorry, but, uh, sorry. I, I equivalent that as not cool for me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a geek. I'll admit it. So okay, so let's before we get you out of here. All right, let's. What is the name of the podcast? Because I know those that were listening to the end of the episode, we said we, we'd let you get that out there. So what is going to be your first podcast or the name of, which you can hear the trailer? All right. Um, wow. This is a big reveal because I haven't told many people yet. Um, so I just to give a little context, the reason why I say it to my shame, it's I launched the trailer um, August of last year because that's when podcast movement was and it's like i can't show up to a conference podcast conference without a podcast so i did a trailer uh you know released it on all, all the channels and then um haven't worked on it since um so it's been a long time uh that said the podcast is called podcast growth hacks where i talk to other podcasters and just try to understand how they grew to where they are today very cool. Awesome. Some, some cool awesome. And you can check that out on, I guess, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast, the trailer, at least. Yeah, I think it's everywhere. Yeah. Awesome. And, so there, there you go for listeners there and, and future podcasters. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love it, man. Well, thank you for uh, indulging us in that. We're definitely going to check it out. We will be subscribing and hopefully you'll be hearing some great things. And, you know, if you ever are looking for two neighbors to come on. Hit oh, us I up, definitely man. need that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'd love to come on. And now you have the was... appropriate pressure to release your first episode. So. I, exactly, <laughs> right? We, we're just here. Exactly. We're here to push, right? <laughs> gently lift. We lift up. Gently lift. Um, but no, yeah. definitely, guys, check out podandbox.com, especially if you are wanting to give to your pod, favorite podcast and engage with them. Uh, you know, just check it out, man. And we, we, got, a, we got an account. We're going to be trying to look and yeah be sure to look up neighbors don't knock neighbors don't knock as well, as well on pod and box yes. as well so we'd love to have our fans engage and i'd love to hear what messages they they, they would say to us it'd be very interesting absolutely we'll <laughs> obviously include all these links in our episode description but pat before we let you go we have a tradition here at neighbors don't knock to ask all of our guests for one piece of neighborly advice 
Neighborly advice. Um, so I'll share this. I, I did this this year. So I'm Asian. I'm Chinese, uh, born in Hong Kong. And um, I live in a predominantly diverse cultural um, neighborhood in Portland. So very white, uh, very black too. And um, I just bought this house about, uh, I think about almost three years ago. So right when COVID started. And I moved from like this, like the downtown in Portland to um, to sort of a neighborhoody part of Portland. And it was weird. I thought, you know, we, you know, my neighborhood experience would be a little different. I thought, you know, people would talk to each other and it'd be super friendly, like kind of how you would think Portland is. But because of COVID, you know, everyone just kind of like there's neighbors I haven't met, like on my street, like oh, three wow. doors down. So, um, which is very weird because a lot of little streets here in Portland, they have like their, their block parties and whatnot. So we didn't, I didn't get a chance to experience that. So um, this year I thought, you know what, I'm, you know, after two and a half years, I'm finally going to introduce myself, <laughs> which it feels weird. You know, once again, maybe I'm, I'm a procrastinator as you can tell from my podcast. Um, uh, I just wait many years before I take the first step. You got to get so, the right time, man. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So so I get the right like, moment. Okay, what's the, yeah, so I think to, to me this year, the right moment was a Chinese New Year. I thought, okay, probably half, you know, 90% of the block uh, has no idea what this uh, tradition is. And um, so I just went to um, the nearest Chinese restaurant, um, got a bunch of takeout, um, you know, these baos that I really loved. You, you don't even, it's not even traditional to give it during that year, but during that day. But um, yeah, just got, got a bunch of these and just kind of passed them around the neighbors and said hi. So, um, which was, which was awesome. It was like, it was a great experience finally getting to meet, um, you know, some people I've kind of met before, but meeting some new people too. And and I just regret, I, I should have just bought more because I, I didn't get to reach every neighbor. I think I did about five just as an experiment. It's like, oh, shoot, now I have to wait till next year. <laughs> oh, man, we need to become neighbors with Pat. We need to go live Portland next to Pat. Um, that, that's awesome. I, I think that's really great. That's something very unique. I don't think many people would do something like that uh, now, at least that we know. I mean, have you ever had someone that you didn't really know come over with, with food or, you know, something? Direct neighbors, sure, but but never on a like a neighborhood scale like that. I think that's great. Good for you, man. Yeah, for that, out that's there awesome. That is taking awesome. The initiative. So I, I think the wait was, was well worth it for your neighbors. <laughs> I think the reveal was well worth it at that point. I think that was great, man. Well, thank you, Pat. We don't want to take up any more of your time. I think we're getting ready to wrap this one up. But make sure you guys check out all of the links in our episode description. You can contact Pat directly through Pod Inbox. Com if you are looking to find out more information on that. But, Philip, we're going to get out of here. I think I think this is a great episode. Pat, yeah, thank, you so, thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming by. Hey, thank you guys. This is super fun. Yeah. And make sure you guys download, you know, more episodes. You can check out Past Neighbors. Also, we have a couple more great neighbors that are going to be coming by. We also remember we're going to be at Miss Carousel on May 7th. That's right. For our season finale, our first on location recording. I Stop know. by. We'll have Mike set up for any guests who want to come on the show. That's right. And we'll catch you guys with more banter, more antics every Friday. Peace. Out. Out.